Hey, Wonderfuls, welcome to episode 454 of the JV Club with my guest, Aaron Keefe. Ugh! I'm so excited for you to get into this episode. I'm not even going to waste time. I just want you to get into it. Enjoy Aaron. I adore her. She is amazing. She's so funny. She is uh, on Hey Riddle Riddle, but she's going to be telling you more about her new podcast in this episode. Check it out. And I dare you not to fall in love with her. I dare you. This is a little bit of long con. Here's what happened. Great. So I did the podcast. I did your wonderful, wonderful Hey Riddle Riddle podcast mm-hmm. for what we discussed on the podcast. Felt like the umpteenth time. Can and I in tell fact, you? I figured it was, out why you thought. You did? Yeah, I figured you did? it out. I, I thought about it. And because I was like, I believe you. The way that you were talking about it, I was like, some, there's something here. You, yeah. for one of our episodes, it was our hundredth episode, you sent in a message for us. So that was actually, oh, you were right. That was okay. your third appearance on our show. I feel like you're throwing me a bone here because that, yes, I'm technically, you've made me right, but I, I very clearly Just said I had it. A take the win of fond memories, very specific yet undefined memories of improvising with you guys. Well, I so, certainly don't want to take that away from you, but, but on the technicality, for it turns out that. you were correct. Oh, thank, that's the kind of post-game <laughs> recap we need. We need to talk about those slow-mos. We need to talk about yeah. those... First down, Kooky plays. Oh, God, thank God you strikes knew out. Even one other term. I guess I only knew <laughs> one because then I said strikes out. So that's not uh-huh. like- <laughs> <laughs> Well, I want to strike out and really tackle this thing that's happened. So I did your podcast and then Adel and JPC, your co-hosts, texted me on a thread. They started a thread. At the time, I thought it was kind of crazy, but, you know, I respect them because they're they're also very funny and nice. And they said, this is going to feel weird, but would you be willing to have Aaron on your podcast, The JV Club, so that you could be the person to let her know that her services are no longer needed on a riddle riddle. Oh, okay. I was hoping to so get fired that's... in a really creative way. <laughs> I said that's all I ask is have it be also sort of a dream come true. Yeah, they priced out skywriting. They did price out skywriting, but they didn't they didn't know. First of all, the guy they talked to did not know how to make just the slitting across the throat with the hand like shape in the sky and they felt like too much text would be required and so Plan B came into effect. I think that's an excuse. I would have liked to see that pilot try. Uh (laughs) (laughs) I think that would have been a nice challenge. I would say I feel like in the limited times I've seen skywriters, but I do feel like I've seen maybe, let's say, eight. Maybe I've seen eight skywritings in my life that I can remember. Um, So just one shy of the amount of times I've been on Hey Riddle Riddle podcast. Uh, (laughs) I think most of the time I have no idea what they're writing. Like, I yeah. many times I'm like, I don't know who this is for. I can't, I don't know who, this must mean something to someone. I wish they could pick the font because really their option is like fuzzy bubble letters. And that, that's never going to look elegant. That's never going to look legible. Unless it's it on the 1980s sweatshirt. So nervous. Yeah. Oh, that's exactly. This is the moment we're going to see somebody like, bl- well, they'll blow up. <laughs> Yes, like it's just not a good enough. You know, they don't like have to set the plane on fire to get to go there. into sky. 
I just don't want to mess with God That's too much. Fair. It's the weirdest joke miracle that we can go in the sky. Let's not yeah. like like mess around and do it for things that aren't a good reason. That's how I felt about the air and water show in uh, Chicago every year. Uh, oh, those yeah. like military planes would yes, over the we lake. Yes, in San Francisco. Right. Well, I guess you know maybe they have that a lot of places. I think like once a year in a lot of big cities that have like a body of water by them. These yeah. planes come and they do all these tricks in the sky. And I'm like, let's not. <laughs> I know. Don't. We don't need to. The Blue Angels. Yeah, the Blue Angels. Called in, yes. Are they the Blue Angels yes. everywhere? Yeah, the, the Blue Angels. I didn't know that. I think I thought the Blue Angels was like a specific to California thing, even though Blue and, Ain- well, Los Angeles. They're okay, like the touring group of air. <laughs> yeah. Pilots. They're the Harlem Globetrotters. <laughs> they make the all air, these fun whistling the things. They do trick shots. <laughs> They're an absolute blast. We laugh, but I have seen the Harlem Globetrotters live, and it was one of the most fun things I've ever seen. They are so talented They're and so, so funny. They played, I think, my high school basketball team for some sort of charity event, Ooh, and yeah. they absolutely destroyed them. <laughs> <laughs> they were like, yeah, we're coming to play a charity game. That doesn't mean we're going to throw this game. No. We are going to trounce you. I don't care that you're a child. It would be insulting if we didn't try. It was so funny. Good for them. Good for them. It's not all just about spinning the ball on your finger, which I could never, ever do if my life depended no. on it. So, uh, okay. So, air and space. Yeah. I still have that feeling getting on a plane. I, or was I, I still, I don't know if it's something that's persisted or if it's something that has been reintroduced into my life. But it was definitely happening pre-pandemic. So, for those of you who think, oh, I got on a plane and flew somewhere after the for you know the the year and a half or almost two years of not flying, that is not the reason that I have this sense of wonder. But I do feel like in the last few years, I've had a renewed sense of wonder about the airplane and like looking out the window and really mar- like being like, this is extraordinary. Can you believe you're looking around can at everyone you, being like, what? Can you- get off your iPads? That's right. <laughs> That's right. I'm forced to use a 1940s voice. Everyone, take a look at this. We're in a beautiful plane. Look at this. How is this even possible? Are you not grateful? I'm a woman. Why am I even allowed on one of these things? And I'm on my period, no less. I Sharks are getting an ESO. I'm crying. You would immediately be arrested the second you landed if you did that. Um how old were you when you were on an airplane for the first time? Were you, like, really young? I was pretty young. Yeah, yeah. I was pretty young. The The first time I remember, I really remember a flight was being flown by myself. So I'm sure, my, I mean, surely my parents wouldn't, like, subject me to my first flight being, oh, by the way, you're going all alone. Right. So I have to imagine there was something before that that I don't remember. But for obvious reasons, the first time you fly alone, if you're little, that would make sense that I would, you know, that would be the memory, the, the only earliest memory of flying that I have. And for sure, uh, I got airsick. And I don't think that it was actual airsickness. I think it was like nerves because it was after we landed for the first to because it was like, you know, back in the day to flying to Idaho Falls, Idaho, and probably still even true to this day, flying from Tucson to Idaho Falls, you ain't going to get a direct no. flight. So I had to, we landed and wherever we landed, I didn't have to get off the plane though. And wherever we landed, they emptied out the plane and I saw my way to the front bathroom and just yacked. Yeah. But we'd already we'd already landed, so I'm not sure what was going on there. Maybe anxiety. I had an identical experience. Really? This is crazy. I flew for the first time, and I was alone. I was 14, so I was a little bit older. And it was my first time on an airplane. And I <laughs> got on the airplane, and I sat down in my seat, and we took off, and I was looking out the window, and then I threw up in my hands immediately. Oh. <laughs> 
no. I think it was just like so much hyped up and I was really scared to be alone. <gasps> oh, your hands. The bag was so close. I know. I didn't, I, I didn't even know that there was a bag. Yeah, I, I was so new. So I threw up yeah. in my hands and the man next to me was just straight up not cool about it. I mean, I guess yeah. I get I get it. <laughs> That's a bad day for him. But he was like kind of rude. And I was like, I'm a kid. And then I yeah. had a, I was visiting my sister at college in Texas. But I had a layover in North Carolina or something. And I was technically an unaccompanied minor. So I had to have a chaperone yeah. Yeah. Uh, in my layover. And they brought me to this room. And it's still to this day the saddest room I've ever seen in real oh, life. It's I'm already imagining all these, it. Like, toys that are broken and missing oh, parts. No. And a poster. I'm not even kidding. Like that is half off the wall oh, God. and it just it had like the you know those popcorn tins that like oh, attract oh. ants it just had the worst <laughs> vibes so i was just sort of sitting there with all those toys no smartphone or anything yeah and, it's just like, and you're too old to i mean not to say that you probably would have picked up on all of those vibes as a young person but there's but it's like you're already too old for any of even if the toys had been working in working oh, order. Oh yeah, it was I felt like it's, I was 100 you know. years too old to be there. There was a 7-year-old boy with a game boy or like a little handheld system just like grumpy leaning back in his chair. Uh-huh. It was just not not good. But I think so because was, I was yeah. older, it really still yeah. airplanes I feel like have a magical quality. Yeah. Even just I don't even have to be on it. Even just watching them land and take off. Right. Like I'll be at the airport and I'm just as interested in everyone else's flight as I am in the one that I'm about to get on to. When I was in Chicago once, uh, they can't announce it beforehand, but they can announce it like when it's right about to happen. Air Force One landed. This was oh, like in 2012. Hello. Should I be saluting while you're telling the story? It was... So, and everyone, like, you would think people would be like, oh, that's cool, and, like, look out the window. But I saw a bunch of adults immediately turn into a little kid, and people were like, oh, no way, and, like, ran up to the window, and we're, like, all on our knees. finding each other, strangers. Sweet! They have all these, like, Black Hawk helicopters landing first, and Yeah, that's exciting. Yeah. They have way, like, the president has way better planes than we have. By the yeah. way, to see that one in person, I, oh, I was like, "Oh, baby, that's a nice plane." Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> you were attracted to it, like I was attracted to the water in the abyss. Oh yeah, um, oh yeah. <laughs> I feel like I have a sense of that because I, I guess I don't know, but I assume that shows like The West Wing and <laughs> the movie Air Force One, which I'm actually not sure I saw, but probably they're doing <laughs> a likeness, a decent yeah. likeness to Air Force One. Which now that I think about it, yeah. D- I don't know that you're really seeing how fabulous it is. I remember like seeing, I feel like in, especially in the West Wing, I feel like they were on Air Force One a lot or maybe for a series right. of episodes. I'm not sure what was going on there, but I just have a sense of like the the area where the press sits kind of still looks like a regular airplane, but then the rest yeah, of the airplane is like the Ritz. Yeah, they don't get the nice like part. The yeah. I know that West Wing had that reputation for doing a pretty accurate job of like they built their White House set to look and flow exactly like I think the White House looked at the time. Yeah, which is crazy. flow is very important if you're Aaron Sorkin because oh, yeah. you're going to be flowing through a lot of conversations. You know what? I'm going to set up a challenge for him. A very closed set where there's nowhere to walk. Very short hallways. Well, we say this, but I was have to say, uh, I mean, the, there's not that many places to go on Air Force One. So mm-hmm. for me to have like such specific memories, I don't. It would be fun if they were like, 
we really noticed that they're like weaving in between aisles to like continue the motion. <laughs> they're just like they're doing me, the side me. slide. But you don't understand, Roblo. <laughs> they he, they didn't call him by his real name. I don't think. I wish they would um. though. <laughs> um, that I love that show so much. I don't know why it scratches my brain in such a way, but it does. And yeah, me too. Uh, I call my dog Mrs. Lanningham. More than I call you her did? name. Yeah. Almost oh, twice a day great. we go, Merry Christmas, Mrs. Landingham. Because <laughs> that was, I think, a third of the dialogue on the West Wing is people telling her Merry Christmas. <laughs> Merry Christmas, I think you're Mrs. Landingham. Right. Merry Christmas, Mr. President. Is, is, is this the other half of the dialogue? Donna. That's yeah. it. Just Bradley Whitford yeah, saying Donna. Donna's name. Yeah. Uh, Donna. So hot. So, Donna. so hot. Do you ever? He's one of those people where I feel like I envy the person whose voice is it a natural whisper. Like, yeah, because I feel so brash and loud sometimes, and by sometimes I mean all the time. The idea of like certain people, which by the way, I feel like many of them were on the West Wing, because I'm pretty sure Richard Schiff also yeah. has like a voice that exists at a whisper. It's just like how that how is that? That's amazing that your regular speaking tone just kind of lives down in here. I'm so jealous that's amazing of that. to me. I often think right? I'm like I have a brass instrument that's out of tune voice, and I wish <laughs> I had a cello voice. I go, if I had a cello voice, it would be over for all of you. I would be <laughs> over. <laughs> I would just be so popular and so cool. I wouldn't have to be on your stupid improv <laughs> no. joke riddle solving. I wouldn't have to be on a nightmare riddle podcast if I had a soothing <laughs> voice. And yet here I am, everybody. One of the things I will say, too, about Hey Riddle Riddle, because there is, speaking of zero flow, none in this podcast, <laughs> uh, is that you, I shouldn't think that you guys shitting on yourselves is as funny as it is because... I think in general, that's not like I that's a go to I would go to. And so it feels like familiar in a way where I've had other people be like, stop being so self-effacing. I know you're joking, but it it does. Enc- it can almost Ooh. encourage people to agree <laughs> with you. You know what I mean? <laughs> that got the heckle it deserved. <laughs> so but so it's it reinforces my sense of that still being funny because every time you guys say something like that on your podcast, it makes me laugh. And I think uh if you're I mean, I guess it is I guess the reality is if you guys weren't very funny and very fast, then maybe that wouldn't work because it would be a podcast full of people sort of being like, and we have one listener and I'm not even sure they listen like that. Sort yeah, of thing. They're very angry. Not a good example. Yeah, not a good example. But um, but it's well, uh, but you're so yeah. not that that it that it that it does become funny again. But I guess maybe people worry about that with people who are sort of already not great (laughs) and then they're also shitting on themselves it's definitely a specific energy and some guests come in and it doesn't fit the vibe as much they're just like their sense of humor doesn't rhythmically move like that but i've had people who are other improvisers diagnose the show i think really well where they said it feels like a green room like a green room Mm, before an improv show rather than an improv show and i feel like that sort of like Shitting That's on your friends way. and self-effacing comedy is really common backstage when you're warming up and sort of like roasting yes. each other. Because I would say with Adel and JPC, their improv and who they are in Hey Riddle Riddle is so different to what they would improvise like in Chicago. Interesting. They were very like comedy, math, shiny, like very polished on stage in Chicago, like just so uh, by the book. They were so good at like 
actually good improv. And on right. Hey Riddle Riddle, they just are like setting things on fire because they know uh-huh. that they can't. <laughs> and I think that sort of like self-effacing stuff is part of that. I I love it. I cannot say enough good things so about nice. your podcast. It's so delightful. You you are so funny. And the other thing is that somehow none of that ever comes off. I mean, it's almost like this is a very bad example because it's not fair to actors who are great at paying, playing jerks. But I do feel like there are some actors. And again, I base this on no actual knowledge of the people that I'm not even going to name. But some people you feel like, oh, that's, they, are, they are wonderful at playing a villain. But one of the things that makes it so wonderful is that you you can't help but get the glimmer of the good person that they are right. underneath. Somehow that's still coming through. And then there are people, and I'm not going to name names, Ray Liotta, who seem <laughs> like they, there is nothing underneath there. <laughs> like, and, I don't, and, I, and, and, and I don't know if that's true or not. I, 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 have, I did like a table read with him once, and then I had a friend who worked with him. And it just, I just, I'm not sure. He might be like the best guy in the world, but I don't get, I didn't get a sense of any like real warmth underneath. Like, oh, he's great at playing yeah, guys who are sort of heartless. Yeah. And I think, you know, he, they, they, I don't know. Look, again, he might be the greatest guy in the world, but that doesn't come through to me when I watch him the way anytime, this is Meryl Streep, but like, you know, a Meryl Streep, like when someone like that plays a right. bad person, you still feel like. There's something underneath that that's, you know, I'm sure there's like a great theater term for that. And having been a theater major, I should know what it is. But uh, that's what I'm saying about you guys. I'll take it back to you. Well, that's really nice. Is that you are, you could be as mean as you wanted to each other. It is so clear to me that you are three of the nicest people. That's so nice. Like to be that nice and to be that quick and able to sort of pull the rug out from each other and your guests um that's like my favorite kind of person and and so that's why i constantly sing your praises because the first time i met you guys from that first time i did the podcast of the many again many times i've done it uh, <laughs> probably dozens but i'm probably underselling that i just i just felt like you're my people do you know what i mean so well after um, we recorded with you and this is a sentiment that I'll, i don't mean to put you in the spot or embarrass you but a lot of our listeners uh share this feeling with us and this is not an insult to any guest we've had before, but after we recorded with you, we were chanting, one of us, one of us. <laughs> we always say that like you're, if there was, we were to add anyone to the podcast, oh. it would be a hundred percent you. You just fit that into the world, world of it me. so much and you. That means the world to me. Maybe you I can start being a regular person. like once every two months. Like what's the, you guys discuss amongst Don't. yourself, what's the <laughs> amount of time, what's the amount of episodes where I would still be a fun, oh, so weird. like, Probably all oh, of them. like a thing to look forward to. Probably all of them. And also our bonus stuff, I think. Probably, yeah, I think so. I just want you to discuss it amongst yourselves. Like, what would be a fun fr- time frame of like all of them, and then probably okay, drop well. you into all the episodes we've already recorded. I think. Um, I don't don't ask Janet to do anything. We gave her three days to seamlessly integrate herself in, and she has to come up with things and they have to sound like we have to sound like we're then reacting to her and not just something the person that said right would be before a that. really great bonus episode if wow. we just said record over one of our episodes to make it feel like you were there honestly honestly <laughs> honestly right now honestly honestly I think I would do that. I already know For how into it Adel and JPC are. I, I could feel it. them say yes to that in in a scream in my head. So, oh, this is exciting. This is very exciting. Uh, to go back to your point of like sensing that someone is playing against who they actually are, I have that yeah. feeling oftentimes when I'm watching rom coms, particularly yes. with the men. There's a lot of men in early 2000 rom coms that. I think have this weird sinister vibe, but I think that is why sometimes their energy works 
in a rom-com. I am dying for an example. Like, I'd say Hugh Grant feels like oh, an example sure. of that, where you feel sure. this sort of, like, I don't know what it is, like, a, a an energy of a, something a little bit more melancholy and dark under yeah. what he does. Um, yeah. Which is why it's seeing him play a villain in that HBO miniseries. I was like, yeah, this is finally you playing into that energy I felt was for sure. Under well, even you... in Bridget Jones, you were like, oh, yeah. he's a rake. Like, mm-hmm. okay, he's not. Because the first thing I saw him in was this movie called Impromptu, in which he I've played um, Frederic Chopin. And uh, and Judy Davis plays Georges Sand. Georges Sand, <laughs> who is this French female writer who had. And it's know, wearing a beret all of a sudden, <laughs> everybody. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Hold on. Let me just crunch ready. into this baguette for a second. <laughs> <laughs> oh, très bon, très bon, très bon. Um, and, but it's a great cast. Actually, you should see it because let me list some other people who are in it. Okay. Ju- Judy Davis and Hugh Grant. We got Emma Thompson. We got uh, hell yeah! We, you got you got your Mandy Patinkin. <gasps> you got your Julian Sands. You got your uh, God. There's someone else like Alfred Molina How or have someone. I, not seen I mean, this? it's a it's a it's an embarrassment of riches. It was kind of a small movie. I saw it at when I was a kid, like with my mom at the local Tucson art house uh, movie theater. And my mom said one of the best things ever when we left, like her first comment was like, you really get a sense of how bad people must have smelled back then in those days. Wow. That movie like, attacked all of her senses. She really I mean, felt it like really she was did. It was, yeah. it was an affront. But anyway, he plays this very, I mean, he basically plays the sort of, he has, uh, I think he has tuberculosis. He has, yeah, that's what your lungs are sort of right. going to pieces, right? When you're in that era. Cough it up blood. And he's this very, he's, so he's very frail and he is sort of, again, with the intention of sort of like inverting those gender roles from this era of century France. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's so gross that I don't know. Uh, you know, 18th century France. Um, and so she's many the very she's in what you very... just said. <laughs> <laughs> France. Yep. Good enough for uh, me. I don't care. I love it. Were there candles instead of light bulbs? Well, I don't had, feel like I'm there. That's a great question. I think they had candles. Uh-huh. But they also had pianos. Then it doesn't matter. That, <laughs> <laughs> that is such a specific time. Okay, I feel like we're mid 1600s because it's not an organ; it's a piano. All right, definitely a piano. Yeah, I think we're in the 1700s, uh, 1800s. You, and it's that era where all of these all of these artists would go and stay with these very rich benefactors yes. at like their country homes, and would just sort of be like kind of contemptuous of the rich kind of st- think of they you see this in the movie i don't know if, again this is not a movie podcast this is a podcast about you and now. your teenage years <laughs> and yet and yet so she's very like she's the sort of masculine one in the relationship and she's very protective of him and he's very frail and he's kind of emotional and sort of gets the vapors quickly you know sort of is like oh i'm sure i'm very shocked by this and i'll be interested to see if you watch it if you sense I mean, I will say the melancholy is there, but there definitely isn't a whole lot of like he does a very good job of seeming like he's about to crumble. Um, And so so that was my introduction to him. So even seeing him in, you know, Four Weddings and a Funeral or something was like such a step in the masculine direction from that first thing I saw him in. That by the time we got to Bridget Jones's diary, I was like, oh, you can play a total jerk also, like just a very. Yeah. 
Um, that give movie me another sounds example. like it would be. Oh, I, the movie you just described sounds yeah. like it would have been one of my favorite movies if I had seen it growing up. For you sure. Might, it, I think I bet it holds up. I bet it holds also, up. Also, have you seen Four Weddings and a Funeral recently? Because I watched it recently. Yes. It does not make a lick of sense. I don't think. No. I, I've. It I is, still love it though. It, okay, totally. And I. Grew but tell up, me, wa- talk to me. I grew up loving it, watching it. Yeah. They fall in love after like yeah. an interaction and a half. It is the yeah. most bizarre pacing of a movie. But I'm always like, but it's British and it's Hugh Grant. And yeah. They go to funerals and there's a wedding. Like, I, I don't think it helps that it's Andy McDowell. Yeah. Like, all due respect. I think that because I certainly, even from the very first time I saw it and loved it, uh, that was not, I mean, again, there's, I've seen her be amazing. Yeah. In Sex Lies and Videotape. But, um, there's nothing she's she just isn't very accessible and so he's so accessible and i understand that like she's sort of the one that got away over and over and so i know that i understand that she's supposed to be sort of a little bit more aloof or a little more removed but i think it goes to the extreme where you really are like i'm not sure why she's so extraordinary in his eyes right because we don't right? see you, him be wowed yeah. by her in any sense yeah it's just strange so it does that you're right that doesn't make sense i prefer his ex that he gets back with for a little while who talks like oh a 1940s woman on a plane oh, oh i love that to actress see you, honey. It's so good to see you and they well, call her duck face but me, she's you? beautiful yeah and uh kristen no Chris, kirsten thomas kristen thomas Kristen Thomas, so, the one yeah. who's like, I fancied the same bloke for ages. That's it's a blast. you, Charlie. Oh, like, so good. First of all, she is so stunning yeah. that I'm like, you see her in her like big fancy hat and you're like, marry me, <laughs> please. Will you marry me? Oh. I'm begging you. And, you know, I, I love that movie. And also the that W.H. Auden poem yeah. that he reads for when his partner has died, like... It's a great movie, but I I really think she was spectacularly miscast. And I think if it was someone who was really dynamic, who had that spark. Or if the writing um, had set her up to be a charm monster in some way. A charm monster. Give me a charm monster. It didn't didn't happen. It didn't happen. But I mean, I hate to say it. I hate to say it. But you want to throw Julia Roberts in that role? I don't know if they would even need to change the writing. You might be surprised at how much you buy. And then it's just Notting Hill, and then we're all happy. And then it's Notting Hill. And then I'm thrilled. And then it is basically Notting Hill. What I would I just want to live inside of that movie. That movie feels so good to watch. Okay, we're going to take a break. I will be back after a word from our wonderful buddies at Maximum Fun. Hi, I'm Jesse Thorne, America's radio sweetheart. And I'm Jordan Morris, boy detective. Our comedy podcast, Jordan Jesse Go, just celebrated its 15th anniversary. It was a couple months ago, but we forgot. Uh, Yeah, completely. Our our silly show is 15 years old. That makes it old enough to get its learner's permit. And almost old enough to get the talk. Wow, I hope you got the talk before then. A lot of things have changed in 15 years. Our show's not one of them. We're never changing and you can't make us. Jordan, Jesse, go the same forever at MaximumFun.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, so you're from Boston, Mass. Is this what I'm yes, to understand I'm from, from the times I've been on your podcast? <laughs> yes. Uh, the times where Adel has been like, do a Boston accent at me. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> yes, so my parents are from South Boston, 
which is like very Boston-y Boston. But I grew up... Um, like Southie? Yeah, like Southie. Southie. Yeah, they're from okay. Southie. Um, my mom's from Dorchester, which is where the Wahlbergs are from, <laughs> to give you an yep. indication of like the accent Dorchester, uh, that my aunts great. and uncles have. Um, and my dad is from Quincy. And we grew up in the South Shore in like a suburb. <laughs> okay. Uh, and it was really pretty place to grow up. Every time I'm back there, I'm like, wow, this is such a stunning part of the country, right on the ocean. Yeah. It was really nice. Have I been to, I mean, I was just in Boston for the first time in many, side note, the second time I ever flew alone as a child, I flew to visit my best friend Meredith, who moved from Tucson to Pittsfield, Massachusetts, oh. uh, because her dad worked for IBM. Yeah. And so she went from being a total desert kid to suddenly living in this like three-story old house with a kind of a dank, musty basement. And that's a book, you know, that's like a book summers and, and winters yeah. and yeah, King. We I went to King Cone with her. I remember that was like a very big deal, like going to the ice cream truck and getting a soft serve King Cone. Um, but very strong memories from that trip. And we did go to Boston for the day that I, I so I did that and then did not go to Boston again until this last summer or August, basically like I think early September or something like that. Um, I was in Boston again and had a few days there and really just like walked everywhere I could walk. That being said, I'm not sure. I, I'm sure I didn't get I probably walked north, right? If I walked up through like Harvard. Yeah. Did you go to like Cambridge? Did you see Harvard? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. We walked up to yeah because there was a gluten free bakery right outside of Harvard. Oh yes, I <laughs> that love I wanted to go that to. area. If I were to ever move yeah, back, it's very to pretty. Massachusetts. I would want to live in like Cambridge or Somerville or somewhere that is near all those smart kid universities, MIT and Harvard. Yeah. Um, it's so yeah. Pretty. We walked through the campus, and I really. I was doing that thing where I was like, I could pass for a student. I bet we could pass for students. We have a backpack. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, they probably think I'm so smart. And everyone was looked 15 and was just looked like a genius. And One of the hardest times I've ever laughed in my life was on the Harvard campus. I was walking through it because my sister lived a block away from it uh, in her 20s. And we were walking to dinner and it, it was faster to walk through the campus. And we walked by and uh, there was an ashtray. And it was filled with broken pencils. And we were like, oh, are they smoking pencils at Harvard? <laughs> and we that feels were right. sobbing, laughing the rest of the night. We're like, now we get it. They've been smoking pencils. <laughs> I would be smart, too, if I was smoking pencils like these rich kids. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Did you have a sense of that? I mean, Boston definitely seems like a place in which we've been told anybody who's not from Boston in film and television and even books, there's a sense of like differentiation of class and yeah. like that that feels is, does that feel like is that palpable at, when you're a kid growing up in, in the on the south side? Yeah, it is super, especially when you move away and you're anywhere with a tiny bit more diversity, you realize how like racially divided it is geographically and like uh, money wise. It's just like very dramatic uh, there. Yeah. And it's also a really like my high school was so competitive academically uh, that oh, yeah. we would have to have assemblies about not sabotaging each other. Like, Whoa. it was that sort of like you, even if it was a public school, like just crazy rich affluent parents uh, being oh, wow. crazy uh, was a lot okay. of the vibe. Very pretty place. Obviously, a lot of good people there, but also a lot of uh, insane rich people. And Well, I guess so. I mean, if you're there in the culture of like every university within a five mile radius is close to being an Ivy, if not one. 
That's got to be an intense yeah. place to go to high school. I hadn't really thought about that because ain't nobody acting like that in Tucson. <laughs> yeah. Well, a lot of my friends when I would like move to different parts of the country because there, I think it's when you're close to something you realize that it's possible. Like when you've seen the campus, it's like yeah, not absolutely. a mythical place that you see on TV. Yeah. Um, and I think my graduating class was like 220 people at my high school, and I think 16 or 17 people ended up going to Ivy's from just my graduating okay. class. Okay. And it was like this whole, uh, so many people, like I remember so being so stressed out the heart, the day the Harvard letters uh, went out because just like empathy stress of like walking uh-huh. through the hall and feeling the buzz of people thinking their life was about to be over if they didn't get oh in. My God. Like, oh my God. It just had the worst Oof. vibes. Um, but you say it was empathy. I panicked. I panicked and ended up applying to about 20 schools. Yeah. Because I would... I think, like, through osmosis of other people's stress, I was like, I'm not going to get in anywhere. And so it would be, like, right. 3 in the morning, and I'd wake up and go to my parents' computer and apply for another school. Like, I just was – it was a bad vibe. Oh, that is so stressful. Yeah. Also, just being a teenager is stressful even when nothing's going on. So that seems super, <laughs> super intense. Even if it's a peaceful day, it is a nightmare inside <laughs> That's your right. Head. That's right. Were you – so did you end up getting kind of pulled into the vibe of that – like, I better be involved in a bunch of extracurricular activities or like, were you building a high school resume the way a lot of kids who are college concerned uh, can? Yeah, I I definitely I like luckily didn't feel totally uh, pressured to do that. I had uh, really smart older sisters who had like gone through all that. And I think at that point I had the privilege of my parents seeing how that wasn't necessarily worth it. <laughs> To be so mm, yeah. stressed out. And so when... What a gift. Uh, totally. Like, I... God bless my sisters for <laughs> doing that first. Uh, yeah. But luckily, there was, like, a lot less academic pressure on me than I think was on my sisters. But I was, like, doing AP classes and was overextended and didn't have time to do anything. Uh, so... But it wasn't as much pressure as I think a lot of other kids were putting on themselves. Yeah. Were you, what kind of stuff were you doing? Were you in like a theater stuff? Were you in yeah, so choir stuff? I, both of those things for sure. I think, so I, end of middle school, early high school, I thought I was really focused on what kind of person I was supposed to be, like who, yeah. who was cool. So I did like field hockey and I wore like ribbons in my hair every day and I hang, hung out with the popular girls and I like, was like this Ribbons is who is I'm going to be. Um, like yeah. J Crew cardigans, uh, yeah. definitely bullying people. Like I was like, this is oh, no. yeah, 100%. I love this. And I uh, oh. there was like such a switch for me when um, people started drinking. I just mm. I think because I had older sisters who were like significantly older. I always felt like I was like too mature or cool to be. I was like, I'm already like thinking about college parties. Like, I don't want to go to a high oh, school party. Like, I had yeah. that attitude. And to watch yeah. my friends start to, I was like, ah, this is not my vibe. I'm cooler and more mature than this. So yeah. I was hanging out with like upperclassmen and doing drama and chorus, like choir stuff. Like, I definitely started hanging out more with those kids at the halfway Field point. Field hockey, I know so little about how hockey works anyway. <laughs> yeah. That's so intimidating to me. Well, hockey was huge at my school. It's Massachusetts. It was like yeah, our girls sure. and boys team were phenomenal. Um, yeah. You couldn't pay me to go to another hockey game again. I did my time. You uh-huh. can't make me go back there. It's cold. I don't care how much hot chocolate they serve. I'm not going there. It's horrible. Um, uh, but field hockey is a totally 
obviously a different vibe. It was a fall sport. Um, you have to wear a skirt, which never felt oh, great to oh, be an athlete in wow. a skirt. Wow. Um, okay. It is. You have to be. It is like, mo- I'd say mostly a running sport. Um, like soccer, I think. I mean, right. in the sense of when you really watch a soccer game, you realize like, oh, God, you're spending a lot of time running back and forth. Like you're la- lapping miles. Oh, yeah. I'd love to see an Aaron Sorkin bit of dialogue. <laughs> oh, totally. Uh, it felt Play like that. Flow there. We had to uh, run um, a mile before and after every practice. And if you showed up yeah. late, you had to run it by yourself. Oof. But we would do Aaron Sorkin walk and talks when, like, after school, like, when we had to yeah. run the mile together, we'd be like, okay. So he asked her out. <laughs> and then, like, everyone would do a recap of the day as we're running. And then we would all, That's like, great. start, like, being quiet and running when we ran past a football team. We'd be like, we're just being so, like, we're so small. Don't worry about uh-huh. us. We're so little. <laughs> um, but, yeah, uh. field hockey is no joke. If It's just, like, man, I was running a lot. And some of the most disgusting injuries I've ever seen uh, came from oh. Because it's just people, like, angry teenagers holding really heavy sticks. Oh, God, yeah. So it's just the most disgusting but fun traumatized yes uh would you say that the trauma you experienced seeing those injuries is what drove you to comedy oh yes for sure (laughs) a hundred percent no other connection needed from a to b that's it saw someone's leg get broken became very funny yeah i think if i summed it up a hundred percent saw someone because you're not allowed to have the stick above your waist because it's super mm-hmm. dangerous to be lifting a stick up that high. And sure. um, freshman year, a girl, I don't know what came over her. She accidentally lifted it all the way up. And it cut another girl here. <gasps> like sliced under the chin open. Like the you're fired from the podcast uh, gesture. Exactly. That's <laughs> the, I, I saw it in skywriting. Um yeah. <laughs> And we were, we, we, our uniform was white polos on top. Oh, and no. then red kilts on the bot, like kilt <sighs> skirts. Um, and so her polo looked red after oh, only a couple seconds. Those face wounds, they really bleed. <laughs> and I was like, I'm a clown now. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs> and I shuffled off the field. <laughs> All the women I knew who did field hockey, I think, are very funny people. But I think being in that sort of culture made me want to spend more time with the theater kids because I noticed mm. very quickly that no one wanted to do a bit with me. And I think that uh-huh. like we were at the age where all these people were really funny, but they felt like they needed to be a certain way and talk about like hmm. boys and alcohol and school and all these things that weren't like being silly anymore. Um, yeah. So I think I was like, I just want to go where people are being a little bit funnier and sillier. So it definitely yeah. pushed me out of that because I would just get so bored. Which also was like snobby of me and not cool. I should have just not given you up should on have them just so quickly. St- continued bullying people. Yeah. <laughs> I was so happy and you it could tell because so I was bullying people. It was so unfair for me to give up on the bullies. <laughs> Nobody thinks about the bullies. <laughs> Everybody's worried about the victims. What about what the bullies are going through? Exactly. That being said, I recognize everyone who's listening who's like raising an eyebrow right now that many times you do bully people because you're bullied at home. I yes. under I recognize that a thousand percent. Mine was more of like I assumed people were going to bully me, so it was sort of that preemptive bully. Let's get out in front of it. Yeah. Yeah. Like in 30 Rock, I think that she, like, I remember seeing that episode and be like, that's what I did. I thought, I assumed Uh, that I would get bullied, so I was like, 
I thought I was on the defense, but it was for sure me on the offense. That's so interesting. That's a really interesting take on it because it's true that I don't I guess I don't hear that as much and but it makes sense it makes sense it's still coming from like all the different ways in which we're vulnerable as young people and as adults of course but just the way that that like the way the the things that fall into place to have it come out in the certain ways that it does it's so fascinating I kind of wish that I had studied child psychology yeah it's fascinating my sister's a fourth grade teacher and I feel like she has so much insight because that is like that age where she watched uh, watches people become self-conscious for the first time. Yeah. Like third graders are oh. still super earnest. And then all of a yeah. sudden fourth graders are aware that they're being perceived. And it's just yeah. this really strange thing to watch someone all of a sudden lose their oh, sense wow. of like play and freedom. Yeah. Oh, you broke, you've broken my heart. Yes. That's, <laughs> that's what's happened. You've broken my heart. Um, did you, were you dating? Were you like, I know you weren't doing the boozy party stuff. Not so much, and definitely not from lack of trying, I don't think. Oh, no. <laughs> okay. Um, I would do this. I bullied so many people, and for some reason. I was like, why does no one want to date me? me? I'm a tall, mean bully. Hello. <laughs> I'm so mean and tall over here. Um, I think I definitely was, I was really sarcastic, um, and I... Also, uh, intentionally, I think, would have crushes on people that I knew would never know who I was. Um, right. And again, I th- had that rare, weird, snobby, uh, shitty complex of like, I'm I'm actually over this. I feel too old to be here. And so I would, <laughs> I, I would be liking older guys. Like I would have yeah. crushes on seniors and juniors when I was an underclassman. And um, the, so, yeah. OK. So that, yeah. So they you felt like you were operating at a level that other people especially lower in particular guys you would have a crush on would not be able to recognize that. So right. you were sort of like creating a situation for yourself in which it wasn't really going to work. Dating totally. wasn't really going to work. Were yeah. you dating in high school? Did you have like a serious boyfriend? I, d- I was not one. That's one of the things I am always so fascinated by when guests are on the podcast who have those like high school marriages where they just are with someone for three years or I mean, even a year to me seemed like forever. And I had friends who were in those long term relationships and I definitely was not one of those people. I but I was I mean, you know, I was I was like hooking up with people right. and um, would have, you know, like a two week love affair where it was like, I f- oh, this is I'm in love. <laughs> and I, I'm in love. I don't care who knows it. And I don't care who knows it. And then, like, two weeks later, it would be like, I don't know, they're being really weird. <laughs> or maybe I'm weird. I, am I weird? I'm probably weird. They, you know, it's just I like... I notice they have, like, just a so really many... weird, like, they have, their shoes are weird, and now <laughs> I don't like them at all of... anymore. <laughs> a lot of draw, just a lot of, uh, yeah, a lot of, like, I don't know what's going on there. Just, there, when I look back on it, it really does feel like energy that had to get burnt off somehow. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know if I've ever put it that way before, but... When I think about it now, it just seems so busy, like so busy having feelings, you know, and I don't know. It just it feels almost inevitable. Like, oh, God, I just was I was just cycling through all of these feelings. And one of the ways that that manifested itself were these just tremendous highs and lows. And you don't feel like you're the one creating them when you're going through it. But there's no way that I wasn't. I mean, I think in the same way that you were creating this dynamic for yourself, somehow the way that I was like, 
you know, rewarding and punishing myself or however you want to think of it. Like there was there, I was just creating these scenarios in which, you know, they there would be these big highs and then these just awful, awful lows. Totally. Which um, I'm sure is also the influence of romantic TV shows and movies on our brain. Yeah. Where, like things are point. romantic when they have complicated things and you have to get like uh, you have to fight some sort of dragon together like there's all yeah. these problems and you break up and you get back together like that's you feel like that's supposed to be part of a good love story it also yeah. the way that you just said you had to burn some of it off that imagery makes so much sense to me because when you're that age it feels like your body's constantly producing fireworks inside you and if you don't light yeah. them off a little bit one by one you're yeah. going to explode yeah one day like you have to ha- create a little bit of chaos to burn through for sure yeah i mean I, yeah i i think i i just i'm glad that we came to that on this uh episode because i don't know that i've ever thought of it that way but that that really does you're right and you've actually articulated in a much better uh way than i just did so no way. now i know who i am and my search has ended so this is it for wow. me this is the final episode of she the just TV beamed Club. up to I space have... <laughs> her work here is done is that what happens to us all is self-actualization yep. us beaming into space you get beamed right into space wow you get yanked up Oh, and so when did uh, when did you discover improv? Well, I um, I had a really well. So yeah. say this: When did you discover the idea of improv as a thing, or improv and sketch, as they tend to sometimes come hand in hand for people, um, in the sense that it's like alt comedy rather than just watching like a funny movie or stand up or something? And then when and then was that the same time you discovered it for yourself, or did that come later? Uh, so there was like a few things that came together all at once. Uh, like so many people on your show, it was like whose line definitely broke my brain, and I was obsessed with that for a long time when I was in elementary school. Um, and then my middle sister, both my sisters are very funny, but my middle sister is like very funny. Um, it's shocking that she is not the one who pursued comedy. Um, and she was, uh, there was an improv team at my high school and she was on that. So I would go to every show and then she would come home and play improv games with me. Um, and so by the time I got to high school, I was like obsessed with our, it was a club and there was like 10 people tops there every week. Uh, it was every Wednesday. And so by the time I was a senior, me and my best friend, Stephen, were improv presidents together. Oh, OK. So so do yeah. you got into the club right away? Like you as a freshman, you yeah. were like, can't wait to get into the improv club. OK. And I did it all four years. And we never really did shows as much as it was like showing up and playing um, short form improv games and then occasionally yeah. doing scenes for each other. But it mostly, like Hey Riddle Riddle, had the vibe of backstage at an improv show. Like yeah. the second hour would just us be sitting on couches in the green room, like making fun of each other it. and laughing and doing bits. Um, I love it. I love the idea that, I mean, I wish that I'd had that when I was that age because I do, speaking of energy to burn, I do feel like that would have been a great for all the reasons that everyone always talks about improv being great for anybody is like if you if you take it in if you inter- if you take it in internalize it and learn from it the right way it doesn't even necessarily have to have anything to do with getting up on a stage it can just be like oh my brain's working faster like i can feel it working faster to answer this math problem right even though that has nothing to do with this but just like that's that like a muscle the idea of, of feeling or feeling more confident or feeling more i don't know that really it also connects I, you with people I envy who that. start to feel that way too and then you feel like you have this magical language yeah. with this person who sometimes would be like in a different grade than you or like sure. someone you wouldn't ordinarily hang out with that you know if you see each other in the hallway there'll be this sort of like 
very exciting it's very interaction that's very silly. Oh, I know. I was like, it's so with intoxicating. It. Uh, and there's also a theater in Boston. I'm not sure if it's still there, and I'm not sure what kind of shows they're doing now. But while I was in high school, it's a place called Improv Asylum, and it's in the mm-hmm. North oh, End. Sure. Yeah, it's um, yeah, in that like strip where there's like the cannoli place, Mike's Pastries, and like all the Italian restaurants. Um, and it was so good, and the quality of shows they were doing were truly incredible. Like I, I'd say as good as the Second City main stage shows that I saw while I lived in Chicago. Um, yeah. And that they started to be like a cool thing to do for just anyone at my high school, not just the yeah. like drama kids. So people would go there for their birthdays with like six friends and oh, that's eat great. in the North End. So that it was really cool to be around people who like thought it was cool. Like it was pretty yeah. accepted and people knew what improv was when I was yeah. in high school. And then that was like the... Uh, improv obsession to comedy podcast pipeline uh, oh, sure. <laughs> by the time I was in college. Yeah. And so did the we talked about the intoxication just now of laughter. Did you have any I know you were, you were saying that you were interested in in older guys and sort of focusing on this idea of like who future Aaron would be and, you know, what was appealing to that future person. But in the now. Um, but did you have situations in the improv group where someone made you laugh so hard that you were like do I like him like maybe I I don't know if you had that I definitely had that where I had a couple of friends who made me pee myself I was laughing so hard and I really wanted that intoxication to spill over into physical attraction and you know even like trying it and both of us being like I guess this isn't really this isn't really what our relationship is going to be about we are meant to be great friends who make each other laugh but it's so intoxicating it's confusing those lines can get blurred right every guy I liked in high school was funny like I noticed they were funny first like those were all of my big crushes were like funny older guys uh, who did improv and I was just like game over a hundred percent I will have a crush on you from afar and I'm never gonna tell you Uh, (laughs) that's how I keep the power that and that sort of like memory of those feelings is what I like after high school I had no intention of becoming a comedian um, and that was not the dream at all. Uh, and it took until I was like 22 and I was so depressed. And I was like, this is a real turning point for me. I'm going to be either yeah. the very, very depressed for my 20s or I need to shock my system in some way. And mm. I was like, I just need Good to. Good on you right. for having that, like the presence of mind to recognize that in some way. I was living in Australia and I was just felt like this like rock. But I was like, felt very Whoa, lonely. whoa, whoa. You were living in Australia. <laughs> yeah, for hold my on, junior hold and on. senior year, I was in Australia. How did that happen? <laughs> Um, I wanted to, I went to a theater school and I started overthinking how expensive it was. And so I was like, I want to transfer to a place where I can sort of pay as I go, uh, while I learned. Um, and I wanted to like, again, felt like I was too old for college by the time I got to college and wanted to like Uh be out in the world and traveling by myself. Um, but yeah, 22, I was so depressed and was like, this is a real rock bottom. And I didn't go to Chicago or decide to pursue comedy for any sort of ambitious reason other than like I want to be around comedians that was Mm. my only agenda is like when was the last time I felt really good and it was being around people who had that magic language of like not being negative or not like like spiking down the volleyball of what you're saying but instead are like lifting you up and making you laugh so you were in Australia for two years or two semesters as a breakdown to being still two two years years. I know that's yeah 
kind of somehow that feels different or but what I, I think it might have been um, like 22 months so I guess not okay two full years yeah I, I absolutely allow you to say two years yeah. I want you to know that those two months I'm gonna pa- I'm gonna include them I'm throwing them in as a bonus and but don't tell that to the Australian to government because if I move back there they're gonna be like, you <laughs> we'll lived here not too tell long. them will not tell Thank them you. uh so so that so the adventure of being there did that become I mean, you're describing something that is that could be something someone experiences anywhere. So was it not really did it even not have anything to do with the fact that you were so far from kind of home and like, um, yeah, the culture's a little different than maybe you expected or. I think it was like, like all of those things coming together, like feeling very far away from my family. And then you can't really hide from yourself if you're that isolated and you're sort of on your own, that I was yeah. like, I needed, I need to face these hard truths now or I'm never going to do it. And I think at oh. that point I was like, no, I don't want to. Like I had uh, lied to myself and other people about wanting to pursue anything creative like that. Um, yeah. So I had to be like, I need to admit that to myself, that I want to be around creative people. What were you doing and studying? What was kind of taking up your days in Australia? Then? I was doing uh, theater and like art studies. And I mm-hmm. uh, would travel to different parts of Western Australia, um, like this place called Kalgoorlie Boulder, um, and help set up programs at libraries. Like I would do story times at libraries and all these little mining towns that were oh, filled wow. with men, but otherwise had no arts cultures um yeah. and so they were trying to get women and kids to stay or to move where their dads were working during the week oh and my so goodness. we were trying okay. to like make these places what a more great habitable. endeavor but yeah that's not then not, that's not necessarily going to i bet that's hard too because you probably are trying if you're not happy doing that do you also do a thing where you're like I'm doing really. I'm doing good work here. What's wrong with me? Yeah, I'm doing good work. Why am I not being fulfilled by this? I think it was also, like this is helping people. Why am I unhappy? What's wrong with me? It's this is on me. And I was around like Western Australia is in this like economic boom because of all the mining, um, and it's a bubble, but it makes it so a bunch of single men, young men, move there, and they're making a stupid amount of money. Wow, uh, like quarter of a million dollars a year at minimum and yeah. they all they have to do is drink and gamble and so like oh, to be boy. in these places that have the vibe of like that sort of numb only yeah. made it feel heavier and worse Ugh, of like God. this is not this doesn't feel yeah. as sparkly as i yeah. know the world can be yeah oh good for you i'm so i mean what an experience like yeah no way that doesn't inform like you other experiences you have for the rest of your life like do you I mean, hopefully you still are glad you did yeah. it. Yeah, it wasn't all bad it, for sure. Like yeah. I met, I made some really, really great friends. And I think traveling alone, I just listened to a JV Club episode today when you talked about going to France as an exchange student uh, when yeah. you were young. And I was like, yeah, people who do that, I think it it really changes the way you see yourself after you've like, mm. done something brave where you're like, I'm going to leave my family behind and go to a different country by myself. Yeah. Yeah. It's also weird because, um, and now I want to get into this MASH game with you, but the last thing I'll say on that is that because I've been uh, thinking a lot about that because I listened to this true crime podcast. I've already brought it up once on the podcast, although the episode hasn't come out yet. But it it, it really digs into the culture of um, 
like Koreatown in here in, in L.A. and how uh, insular it can be and how it how difficult it can be if you've if you've immigrated to Los Angeles and you still are getting to know Los Angeles culture. You're very protected in the sense that you have a lot of wonderful Korean culture around you. But if something comes in from the outside, um, those in, in this case, like somebody getting arrested for something they may or may not have done, like every moment that you are trying to think your own thoughts in your language and then translate them and like all of the stuff that makes you you is so tied to your language so tied to your language and so that and and so that that really that's a huge deal I think just for anybody being in a place where and I know they speak English in Australia so it's not specifically saying one thing or another about that particular thing but I do remember being in France and being like, I don't know how much of me can come through. Like it's a bit of an identity crisis, which can happen in an English speaking country as well. Um, But just that feeling of like, how do I convey like I'm not I'm not great at French enough to like make a bunch of, you know, puns Mm -hmm. or like all of that stuff is so sophisticated um for language to language which is why someone like eddie izzard being like you know completely fluent just being able to do a set in french is like you're a god to me like they same stand up in three different languages that's it's crazy yeah it's i mean that's that's some genius stuff right there. i went to france yeah just like like oh sorry yeah yeah. i went to france this past year uh uh, i went to paris and nice and i was there with uh one of my friends from chicago harrison and he uh, majored in it in college and lived in France for a year before and he was feeling that anxiety of like I'm feeling really angry at how all of this language language has slipped for me a little bit because I feel like I can't be myself in the language Yeah. and after five days we went to like a bar late at night and it was just the employees and us and it was these like really funny women working there and I got to see him all of a sudden remember how to be funny and oh, he was like that's so his cool. kind of funny yes. in French and it was like one of the most emotional moments of my life is I was like he broke through that difficult thing and I can tell he's being himself and not just like doing comedy math yeah he's being his and I just was like that's the most impressive thing I've ever seen totally get that what a moment I completely and totally get that I was just sitting with my rosé being like "Ah!" (laughs) (laughs) I don't care if I don't understand a word of this this is amazing this is is like being on a plane right now (laughs) that's the kind of on wonder I was a gentleman look out the window my god can you believe those are houses down there they look awfully small wow a trampoline that's nice oh brother Oh, oh, it's time for a quick break. I will be back after a word from our friends at Maximum Fun. Prepare yourself for the greatest pro wrestling podcast spectacular known as Tights and Fights. A back-dropping audio showcase that helps you understand the world of pro wrestling with a lot of love and no toxic masculinity. Featuring hosts, Danielle Radford. Time to kick butt and chew gum. And I'm all out of butts. Lindsay Cow. I'm a brutal Brit and my fists were made to punch and hit. And Hal Loblin. I was doing the voiceover this whole time. Hear us talk about pro wrestling's greatest triumphs and failures. And make fun of its weekly absurdities. On the Perfect Wrestling Podcast. Tights and Fights. Every Saturday, Saturday, Saturday on Maximum Fun. Let's get into the Smash game. 
This has been the pleasure and joy, but also flown by as I knew it would. Uh, okay, first category, three movies that you can jump into. We're creating this MASH alternate universe for you Sweet. where you can just go in and just be in that space. You don't have to relive the same plot. You're not suddenly a character. Uh, you're not replacing anyone. You're just in there with those with those people in that world. Okay, I have three. Three. I hadn't Great. thought about this before, and they immediately came to me. So I'll do Notting Hill. Great. Great. I'll do A Little Princess. Have you Great. seen that movie from the nineties? Uh, is that with the? Is that is that with um uh 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 oh my god what is wrong with me Julie Andrews? No, it is that's something that, different. Yeah, that's um Princess Diaries. Got Little it. Princess is uh this it's like a World War is it, the, is it a remake of the yeah, yeah no. I've only seen the Shirley Temple version. I, I can't recommend the ninety five version. I've more. only seen the Shirley Temple version <laughs> because she speaks my language. What year are you from? <laughs> what the uh, animal crackers I'm about to see in it, my soup? I loved. <laughs> it's unbelievable. It's also one of the most uh, beautiful movies visually I've ever seen. Yeah. Like the costume. Oh, it's it. a, the guy who directed um, Children of Men. Um, oh, God. It's unbelievable. Okay. Like, uh, it's amazing. Uh, so, okay. So Who's pretty. that? Quaron? Yeah. Okay. Um, there's wallpaper from that movie that I'm currently trying to get custom made oh, for I myself. I love that. I love this factoid about oh, you. That makes me very happy. I love wallpaper. Okay, I'm going to see it. I'm going to see it. I can't wait, and I can't believe and I didn't see it. And the other one okay. would probably be Kiki's Delivery Service. Great. No place, no fictional place I want to live in more than that seaside town. Great. Next category, let's do three foods that in this reality, for one reason or another, you're not going to consume great quantities of. Maybe you feel it's ecologically irresponsible or you just can't eat three bags of marshmallows anymore without feeling a little sick. We're taking away all of that stuff. And now everything's just sort of living in this magical place where you can have it whenever you want. Snap of your fingers. Zero ramifications. Okay. So um, I'm gluten free as well. Uh, So restaurant bread, the bread they bring out at the beginning of the uh, the meal. Yep. Uh, Uh... Bagel, big old bagel. <laughs> Great. <laughs> big old bagel. Big old bagel. And then big like pasta from Italy. Like just a Great. gorgeous plate of pasta. Pasta slash Italy. Thank you. Great. Okay. Uh, next one. Let's do two places in the world where you're going to split up a month. So you're going to spend two weeks in one place and two weeks in another place. So pick something that they sort of pair well, like... We're going to be able to teleport you, but let's say we'll teleport you to the area, but mm. then from those two places, you'll still have to take the train or you'll take a ferry or whatever. So probably don't want to say Fiji and Germany. Sure. Um, so give me two. I don't know why where I'm coming up with this, but uh, pairs. Thailand, I think, and New Zealand. I've been to New Zealand before, and it was just so beautiful. Um, and Great. Yeah. Yeah. I'd love to go to Thailand. Well, I mean, yeah. I guess you probably would if you were in Australia. That would be a shame if you had The second I went to... New Zealand after being in Australia I was like I've made a huge mistake I went to the wrong country should have gone here good note I would have loved to be here for two years uh, Mm -hmm. but you live and you learn I bet it would have started to feel small I don't know the mountains I know I'm sorry you're right I I love it too I love it too I'm trying I'm trying to make you feel better (laughs) thank you I appreciate that I'm really spending energy trying to make you feel better okay great Thailand and New Zealand um and then another pairing right three you're oh, because you end up with oh, one right. okay. pair uh <laughs> i completely went silent <laughs> um it's fine that's what editing's for uh, i would love to do like italy and greece great and then i think like colombia argentina Ooh, 
Yeah, I, I, I've been gripped with this feeling like I really need to go to Portugal, but I need yeah. to speak Portuguese before I do. And that is a long way from happening. I would, that would, why I've has that become so important to only me? only heard uh, people having positive experiences going there. Right? Like they love it there. Yeah. I guess you got to learn right, Portuguese. That's a hashtag life goal yep. <laughs> for me. Uh, okay, next let's next one. Let's do um, three. Let's do three places in time that you can visit. You're in a magic safety bubble, so unless Ooh, you want to get out of it and like you know party with all the seniors, <laughs> yeah. the, all the parties you missed out on because you were too good for them. No, but three, yeah, three places in time that you can visit. Yeah, I want to go back to some high school parties. <laughs> can you imagine? I'm um, like, huh. Huh. Okay. Huh. That's would, how you're gonna. All right. I would like to go to a Beatles concert. Oh, um, great. Like, sort of like not the very beginning of them, but like the middle beginning. Um, yeah. Oh, I would like to go back to, like, when my I, I only got to meet one of my grandparents. So I'd like to just like yeah. go into the house when they're young with young kids great. and talk to them. Oh, great. And the other one would be. I'm not. I don't want to specify, but I would like to go back and be able to witness a great mystery that hasn't been solved, like a true crime know, one right? or a conspiracy theory. Oof. I hate that you're not specifying. I don't know. I love There's, that you chose I it. The, the list is too long, which is why I can't. The list is very long. You're so right. You're so right. Okay. Uh, okay. Next category. Let's do three. This is romance. Got to get some romance in there. Three romantic partners, uh, short-term, long-term, doesn't matter, fictional, real, any era, any age. Love this. Okay. Um, Pacey Witter from Dawson's Creek. Oh, wonderful. Um, Dev Patel in anything. <laughs> yeah. Have you seen uh, David Copperfield? Yes. Is it so good? Mm-hmm. I might want to jump into that. Yeah. <gasps> it is. It's so good. And I love the music. Oh, I loved it. Anything that feels like... PBS or BBC adjacent. Uh, I will love with my whole heart and I will never complain Great. about it. Um, Great. Oh, you got to see Impromptu. I'm excited about this. I'm going to watch it. I'll tell you what. Let's make a let's make a commitment to watch it. We'll both watch it within the next week. And then I love it. I want to hear if you liked it. I cannot wait. Um, okay. Uh, let's see. What? Um, oh, there's so many. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my God. I want you to think of a literal pile of men, and that's what I'm trying to sift <laughs> through right now. Just a pile of their bodies um, in a good way. Let's see. I think that there was uh, one, uh, he was like kind of friends with my oldest sister, but he was my tennis coach growing up. Oh. And I thought I would never know love like that again. Yeah. I was like, oh, I love, love him so much. And then she I told him it. that I had a crush on him. <gasps> and that was a betrayal that I'll never forget. <laughs> and I will enact my revenge when it suits me. Fantastic. <laughs> okay, I love that I just put tennis coach and that he shall not be named. Yeah. Um, okay, next one. Let's do collaboration with another comedian, comedic actor, actress, uh, comedic director, some individual from any time uh, that you would love to have collaborated with oh, in some way. Oh, man. Okay. Um, growing up, I really wanted to be an Alfred Hitchcock woman. Like, I wanted oh, sure. to be one of his, like, muses. Um, yeah. Uh, let's see. I love that I said comedy and you went straight to Hitchcock. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. Happy Oof, to add that, it in. No, no, it's great. I was also great. thinking Mel Brooks, but that's comedy and that would have made more sense. Um, no, I, lo- I love the Hitchcock thing. It totally makes sense. Uh, let's see. Um, I love Katherine Hahn so much that I think yeah. that would be a really fun thing to do a comedy yeah. with her. And let's see. 
Honestly, this is sort of a cop-out answer, but I would love to do a project with the people I came up in with yeah. uh, in Chicago. That's not a cop-out yeah. answer. Like, so the people I started doing improv with in Chicago would love to do something. Yeah. Like a really, like a Michael Bay budget comedy. Yeah. Somehow. I love that. Second to last category, would you respond positively to the sort of three musicians or composers who kind of make a soundtrack for your life that is yeah. like unique to you and for you? Oh, I love that. Okay. Okay. Um, I'd say George Harrison, Sammy Ray. I don't know if you've heard about her. She's a jazz musician. Mm. Um, I'm going to her concert soon. She's Her voice is oh, nice. crazy. Um, okay, I got to look her up. And then there's this woman from Wales who writes folk music. Her name's Kate Resby. Oh, wonderful. And she That's writes like name, mostly lullabies. It's really great. Oh, okay. Wonderful. I bet I would like that because I'm really into the soundtrack from uh, this is the Song of the Sea. Yep. Did you see that animated? <laughs> yep. Oh, you would love it. Oh, I'm going to send you a <gasps> my playlist. Whole, my whole soundtrack would just be... Okay. I'm going to send you a playlist on Spotify that's called Woman on a Boat Looking into the Distance. God, I love it. It's going to be I a totally, lot of Irish I music. I totally feel seen right now. Oh, she's just I love wearing a it. shawl and she's seeing her <laughs> homeland of Ireland slowly. Definitely fog yep. and mist. Oh, mist. So much mist. Fog and a mist. violent amount a of mist. A lonely seagull sound, like cold seagull sound. Her husband oh, is long so gone. Excited. She'll never see him again. <laughs> he may or may not have turned into a seal. Uh, really, <laughs> he really, was a really, pirate. really excited. Uh, oh, I'm so excited. Okay, great. Great, great, great. Okay, and then final category, let us do, let's do something, I mean, it doesn't, I don't know if you're an amusement park person, so it doesn't have to be as specific as an amusement park, but something, and this is stretching to say the least, something in your life or some experience you've had that feels like you sort of wish it were real in a way that it, it can't be or it isn't. So it could be something like, I wish I, the Haunted Mansion were real and I could just hang out with those mm. ghosts all the time. Or um, or I wish, uh, I don't know, I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm living in this sort of idea of amusement park rides, but I feel like there's other examples of that. Like, I wish the place that was my secret hiding place in the forest when I was a kid I wish that I could get that feeling from being in a forest, but it was sort of the grown-up version of that. Do you know what I mean? Like a treehouse yes. or something like that. Like something from the imagination that sparks something for you that you wish could be more a part of your regular life in kind of a, a grown-up way. I love that. Um, I My pretend friend growing up, this was before Harry Potter and Adel and JBC give me a lot of grief because I always say I invented Dumbledore and I sort of did. So his name was yeah. Wizzy um, and he was an old wizard with a long beard. And I went to magic school with him and I would walk around my neighbor's tree three times and then I would be in this magical world with him. Oh, my God. So I Aaron, wish if that's I walked wonderful. around that tree a few times. Oh, they're that so I could jealous of you. And that's why they. Yeah. They know that they missed out yeah. that you got Wizzy. Adel will sometimes okay. do Wizzy's voice and I go, that's not his voice. <laughs> You don't even know how to do his voice, so don't do his voice. <laughs> Just screaming at my adult friend. Uh, um, wonderful. Uh, I really love sort of uh, like, I just went to like Hans Christian Andersen's uh, hometown in oh, Denmark. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's sort of like uh, Germany, Denmark, old yes. fairy tale world where you walk yes. into the forest and there's like. Oh my God, absolutely. That vibe. Um I also, this is going to be very 
very niche. There's a book that I think I'm the only person who's heard of. It's by Polly Shulman. And uh, the con- the magical concept in that book is that there's a magical library in New York where you can, instead of books, you check out magical objects. Oh, wonderful. Um, Haven't read it's it. It's so good. The concept is amazing. So, so, like, if you want to take the magic mirror home, uh, you don't leave. You, like, have to give something of yourself to them, like your firstborn oh. son. But if you bring the magic mirror oh. back... Like or your sense of direction or your sense of humor, you leave something and oh, then you get great. it back when you bring the object back. And then all these kids that's take great. a bunch of objects, thinking they'd be fine, and then the objects get stolen. And so they have <gasps> to solve the mystery. Oh, and they're oh what a great idea! Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry that this has not. Got, I mean, maybe it has, and we just haven't met the people that all know this book like you know it. But what a great concept! I think it'd be a great movie. But I would love to be able to like yeah. check out a magical object from a library and yes. use it for a while. Yeah, and I think also like kind of it, it may really be something you don't need to keep like yeah. the idea of the, the idea that of of that being something where you're like i i wouldn't want the responsibility no. of having this full time i love that i was like i don't need a time machine every day what am i yeah. crazy i'm not selfish i don't need it every day yeah yeah it's great it's great okay all right uh give me a give me the word that um just a simple word or a complicated word i guess that maybe sums up kind of how you felt when you woke up this morning um, confused. Great. Did you know where you were? Yeah, I, I my sleep was interrupted a lot last night, so I woke up thinking that I was in uh, one of my childhood home, like friends. Oh homes. yeah, I was like, I'm yep, gonna sleep I definitely over had that. eleven. No, nope. I de- <laughs> that's not that's not it. This isn't the voice of an eleven year old. <laughs> oh God, well, whose body is this? What happened? Okay, I am going to tally everything up. I'm going to give you all, each thing that you've won for yourself in each of these categories. Will you take these moments to vamp for yes. our friends listening and let them know what they should be checking out, where and how, and who and Great. why? Great. Uh, first of all, sorry that took me so long. I had to explain every single one of my answers, which is a nightmare for all involved. No, nope. no, nope. um, no. Nope. Excuse me, this is my vamp. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I interrupted your vamp. I, I don't walk into your vamps thinking I own the place. I don't. When you're vamping, I don't come in and put my feet up on the table. You're right. You're right. You're right. Um, I want to plug being excited by airplanes. Um, I would also like to plug um, Hey Riddle Riddle. You can find it wherever you find podcasts. Um, We have a lot of really exciting sort of um, one shots coming out soon. So I think now would be a good time to jump in. And the other thing I want to plug is I... What do you mean by that when you say one shots? uh, Sorry to interrupt. Yeah, we do these things that are like... They always involve riddles, but they're sort of like D&D worlds where uh, one of us will write a universe like a Western or an 80s high school. And then um, the other two will sort of improvise their way through it and have to solve riddles along the way. Got it. I guess I knew that you did that. I don't remember knowing that it was called a one shot. Yeah, not even sure if we call it that. I I, I do in my head, but I'm not <laughs> sure if we. Great. Yeah, we did one that was like a film noir one, and uh, Great. so there's Ugh. more coming out. Um, and then I have a new podcast coming out in mid February called Sitcom D and D, and it's D and D with sitcom characters and structure. Um, Oh, that's and that'll a be great on the idea. Network. It's a blast. Great. It's with a lot of the people who I was on an improv team with them in Chicago. So it feels like yeah. sort of like coming home. Uh, it's been nice. we've been working on it for over a year and I think people might like it. So if you want to check that out, it comes out mid-February. Oh, I can't wait. Wait, what's it called? Sitcom D&D. S- sitcom D&D. Sitcom D&D. Sitcom D&D. It's like okay. Cheers meets D&D. That's great. What a great concept. 
What a great high concept thing, which I never come up with. Anything <laughs> no, me neither. I didn't come up with that. <laughs> uh, it's great. It's great. Let's let's ride on those coattails, you and me. Um, okay, so I feel real good about this. I hope you feel the same. First of all, I really took <laughs> like the deepest breath I've ever taken. I think I've transferred my anxiety from my waking up to you. I'm so sorry. I do that a lot. People get anxious when they hang Here out with go. me. Here we go. I just need a second. <laughs> Oof, you got this. You can do this. She um, put the beret okay. back on. <laughs> okay. Now I think we are good. Uh, okay. First, I want to congratulate you on... First, I want to congratulate you on your apartment. Your apartment is inside the movie Notting Hill. Totally makes sense. What, are you going to have, like, a giant mansion? No, you're in Notting Hill. You're going to have a beautiful little walk-up flat. No way. No how. Of course. I love it. You got an apartment. You got a beautiful apartment in Notting Hill. Whenever you want to get away, that's sort of your vacation place that you get to go and just be in. I would say that the soundtrack that Kate Fusby. Rusby. Is that right? But I love Kate Fusby. What did I write? What is it? It's Rusby. Rusby. Kate Fusby is the teddy bear version of her that you can She's buy the, online. The Muppet version. Yeah, that's the puppet. Okay. Dibs. <laughs> so I, I, don't, I know you came up with it, but dibs on Kate Fusby. Take her. I need her. Take I her. have to build Take a puppet today. I don't have time to, but I have to build a puppet today. <laughs> Kate Fusby, all yours. All yours. Wouldn't exist without you. Would not exist without you. Okay, so Kate Fusby <laughs> and Kate Rusby have both contributed to the soundtracks of your lives. Uh, you also have the uh, unlimited amount of Italian wonderful perfect pasta. Yes, that's what I was hoping Whenever for. you want it, however you want it. And that includes your time that you will spend uh, the month that you're going to split between Italy and Greece. Uh, you'll have a real chance to tr- sample even more Italian pasta to kind of know what you want to conjure when you want to conjure it. So uh, you get to go to uh, spend a couple of weeks in Italy, a couple of weeks in Greece on a beautiful, uh, wonderful game show win type of, <laughs> of, of trip, mm-hmm. which is somehow what I'm describing. Uh, you also have the ability, speaking of uh, conjuring, you have the ability to um, experience the magical objects library <gasps> whenever you You're desire. You're all the ones I was hoping for. I mean, this is this is not I mean, this is just facts. This is the facts of MASH. Uh, You also have the opportunity to become a Hitchcock muse. Yes. So you do a lot of traveling for that, too, probably to Northern California at least once or twice. Um, And just that cool, that beautiful, perfect kind of makeup. And uh, they'll be fun to see. My long, long eyelashes. You're very long. You're tangly long eyelash. You're going to have to comb those. That's a downside. And uh, that leaves us with your uh, ability to also go back and visit with your grandparents and get to know them. And all of this is... Ha- you're like, screw them. I don't care about the grandparents. Who do I end up with? Is it Deb Patel? Is it Deb? Is it a tennis coach? It's actually Pacey Witter. From Dawson's Creek. I've waited a really How long time for that to be yeah. true. Yeah. Well, it's true now. Never truer than right now. He's so perfect. This is your 100% guaranteed MASH future. Thank you so much. I don't know why I feel more You're confident so now. You I'm should. like, my life rules. You should. What do you mean that you have a lot of work to do? I don't have to do laundry today. <laughs> what do you mean I have to build a puppet <laughs> out of nothing that I'm not prepared for? <laughs> I'm married to Pacey Witter. I don't, I don't need anybody. I'm good. Uh, thank you so much. I feel like oh, I panicked and talked uh, this whole time. Um, uh, no, I think most people will go, Janet, why were you talking 
at length about a bunch of things that had nothing to do with Aaron. No, that so was heavenly to me. Thank you for putting up with um, all that. Thank you for having me. This is a dream. I'm such a big fan of the show. So oh, it's so nice right back to at you. Jump inside right of it. Right back at you. Uh, well, I want you. So, so go ahead and discuss with the guys about what a reasonable returning guest pattern mm-hmm. could be for Hey Riddle Riddle. Uh, you're on every episode, and there's also episodes that uh, are just okay. you. So Again, take all the time you need. <laughs> Don't need any time. Thank you, though. So we will re- reconnect about that. <laughs> and for now, it lives in a more nebulous space. Right. Has not been decided and yet. And I need everyone to be clamoring online for Janet to uh, do a voiceover over one of our existing episodes. That is so daunting, but it <laughs> sounds like so much fun. I would totally do it. I would totally yeah. do it. If you make enough um, noise Right. Online, that'll exist. Ugh, I'm not even sure the noise needs to be made. I might have to create some false profiles <laughs> to make it seem like people are clamoring. Just you with a fake it. mustache, you in the beret. Vanit Journey. <laughs> That's the best she could do. God, Fuzzy. That's a little on the nose. <laughs> All right, Aaron. What a joy. What a pleasure. Please, everyone, listen to these podcasts. The one that exists. The one that is has yet to come into your feed. Remember it. Make a note to yourself. Uh, sitcom D and D. Hey, Riddle Riddle, if you're in Boston, you've been doing shows. Yeah. Where are I'm you? I'm in L.A. Oh, my God. You're in L.A.? <laughs> are you mad at this me? This is gross. I didn't know you were in L.A. I'm sorry. I moved here in May. I can't believe you're in L.A. I know. In my mind, you were back in Massachusetts because of uh, uh, Sandy Goldman and all his Massachusetts stuff, and that he came to a show... I got all of that entangled, and so you can understand why, in my mind, Sandy Goldman from Massachusetts was going to a show in Boston. Naturally. you Because I knew you weren't in Chicago. Right. Oh, my God. This is insane. Oh. All right. Well, we can see each other in real life right. person. Can you hear okay. me right now? Right. Hello? Aaron? <laughs> we Wait, share a Aaron? wall. <laughs> Aaron? You're in the same closet as me. There's just a, there was a fabric between us, so I couldn't hear you. Just a sli- slender was. little piece of fabric. Oh, yeah. brother. Yeah. Oh, this has been, wow, what a what a huge gotcha moment that neither one of us were nope. planning. Oh, that's great. Okay, well, this changes everything, and I'm going to need some okay. time to process this. Everybody else, thank you so much for tuning in. And I say tuning in as if you had to adjust your radio dial. Thank you for that. But as you know, we live in a world of wonders where planes can fly and radio dials can be manipulated to listen to the songs and tunes and podcasts you enjoy. All right, let's get this lady off the plane. No one's going to be able to rest. The sense of wonder that I... Hello, ex- ow! Please, stop! Ow! Ah! Oh, this is so cool, though. The show is recorded by me and edited by Julian Burrell. And as always, the JV Club theme song is Back Before We Were Brittle by the amazing Say Hi. Hey, you're number one. We could save kittens from trees. Or lunch on skyscrapers. Bring the villains to their knees. Maybe we should. MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture Artist owned Audience supported